We are back with another Falcons Audible presented by AT&T. I'm your host, Derek Rackley. Once again, I got my boys, DJ Shockley and Dave Archer. We'll get to them in just a second, but let's give you a quick rundown of what's going to be happening uh, in this podcast. Of course, we're going to go back and we're going to look at the Falcons' previous game against the Chargers, a 2017 defeat. We'll talk about whether or not it's been a little bit of a role reversal throughout throughout what we've seen through the course of this season. Offense, defense, I'll throw it up to the guys and get their feelings on that. We've got three games left in the season. So with the playoffs out of the question, I'm going to ask the guys, what are they looking forward to in these last three weeks? Is it something on the field? Is it off the field? Is it a specific position? Something along those lines. I'll get their take on that. Um, are we more excited about wins or a draft pick as things close out here? We'll kind of take a, a look at what the fans should be looking for and what people inside of the organization are focused on at this one. And then we'll take a step back from this one. We'll look at the Saints and Eagles game. And there was an interesting change at the quarterback position. And Jalen Hurts, the former Alabama slash Oklahoma quarterback, played pretty well. And is it time to turn the page on one Carson Wentz? We'll get into that discussion. And then did, a, did the Falcons game bring back some memories of one Walter Payton? And we'll mm. get into that a little bit more mm. as we get further along in this one. But with that, fellas, DJ Shockley, Dave Archer, I'm happy to have you guys. And let's go ahead and let's start us off with this very first topic. Let's go back to the Falcons game from this past weekend. DJ, my question to you is very simple. Is it been somewhat of a role reversal? Because it's been a, it was a lot about how good the Falcons' offense was early on and the defense was struggling, and now it seems like the Falcons' offense has come back a little bit and the defense has poured it on. Are you seeing a role reversal, or is this just kind of the natural progression of a season here? Yeah, Rack, I, I think the role reversal is a good way to use it, a good phrase to talk about what's been happening because for years it's always been this offense carrying the Falcons team. It's always been they can score tons of points. They can – uh, they got guys on the outside who can put up big numbers. Matt's always been in the 4,000-yard pass range every single year. And you know coming in to play the Falcons, you got to score at least 25, 30 points if you're going to get a win. Well, the last four or five ball games, it has absolutely been a role reversal. I was looking at some numbers for the defense. In four straight games, they have limited their opponents to 250 or less pass yards. You're talking about playing some really good football on that side, less than 20 points. And offensively, the Wolves have come up. And this is a team that has lived in the outside zone scheme. You want to use the play action off of it. The run and pass game has been so inconsistent. And then, uh, of course, the red zone stuff. Since week eight, the Falcons are 9 of 23 touchdown percentage in the red zone. That's not going to win a lot of ball games for you. That's been a big issue. And the Falcons defense has been kind of the, the, the rope that's kind of hanging and holding this team on because you've kept – this team in ball games late, especially here in the last few ball games. So uh, it had absolutely been a role reversal for me, and the offense has not uh, been pulling their side of the rope to say, uh, I would say. Yeah, Dave, you know, you, when, you, when you're sitting at four and nine on the season, it's hard to sit here and, and decipher the good things that are happening because when that's your record, there's not a whole lot of good things that are going on. So do you see this thing kind of like DJ is where the defense is playing better, the offense is starting to play worse, or is it somewhere in between there, Arch? No, I think that the defense certainly has picked it up. I think the reason the defense has picked it up is because they've identified how they want to play. They didn't know how they wanted to play in the first five, six weeks of the season. 
And then they realize, you know what, the best way for us to play is we need to come up and play press on the outside, go man coverage, and we need to bring more than you can block, or at least try to bluff you into bringing more. They think we're bringing more than you can block. And they've done that. I mean, we've seen Deion Jones, we've seen Foya Lulkin get home with linebacker blitzes. We've seen Keon O'Neal get home with a safety blitz. And then you're playing man on the outside and I think it suits your personnel better. Isaiah Oliver's a better player up tight. Uh, certainly A.J. Terrell is really impressed as a corner that can come up and place press coverage. When you play a guy like Keenan Allen, and albeit he did get a touchdown on you in the first drive of the game, I mean, you limited him from that point on to eight grabs for 45 yards. That's one of the best receivers in the league. I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but that's, you know, I think that's less than five, just over five yards of grab. So um, that's a really good job. And I think that it suits the personnel. So I think that's why you're seeing the defense play better. Offensively, you can't run it. You haven't been able to run the ball for two years. You haven't been able to run the football consistently for two years. That puts the onus on your pass protection, puts the onus on your quarterback. And at some point, these teams that are pretty good at rushing the pass are going to break you down. And I think we're seeing the Falcons get broken down on offense simply because they're not diversified enough to be able to run it and throw it. Yeah, Dave, it's a great point. And it's it's one that I've kind of hammered up the last couple of weeks. And, and yes, you know, we're sitting here talking about the obvious, but – yeah, I'm, I'm an old school guy. You've got to be able to run the football if you want to have balance. And they just don't, you look, you look back there, you, you, you see Matt turn around, hand the ball off, and you just don't see any explosive plays out of the running game. You're, it's like you're lucky to get three or four yards here and there, but it's not enough to keep the defense honest. So Arch, let me, let me go right back to you. We're talking a little bit about the struggles of the, of the run game, but I know you're probably the same way. You're thinking in the fourth quarter, Atlanta still has a chance to win this game, and it's just two costly interceptions by Matt Ryan that ended up proving to be the difference in the game and probably throws that Matt doesn't, doesn't normally make. It ended up being fatal for Atlanta trying to get back into that game. Yeah, I think that uh, obviously leaning on the passing game, which has been your strength all along since Matt Ryan's been here, the strength of your football team has been to throw the football save maybe the first couple of years where he had Michael Turner running the ball. Uh, it's been pretty much Matt Ryan throwing it and distributing the ball to his receivers. So uh, you're going to make mistakes in games. It's just in 16 games, you're going to make some mistakes as a quarterback. It gets magnified when you're struggling on offense and struggling to score points. I mean, what gets overlooked is, is Todd Gurley going the wrong direction on a bootleg play that sets up a penalty where Ryan's trying to throw the ball and minimize the damage. That's going to be a play where you're going to put points on the board. You're going to get at least three there because of the penalty, because of the, mister, uh, because of the blown assignment by Gurley. Uh, you lose the chance to put points on the board. But we fast forward to those last two series. Matt is late getting the ball to Hurst. It's picked off. He makes a poor throw to the inside on a speed out. You cannot miss to the inside. Shock, I'll tell you, the first place that you're taught when you're throwing the speed out is you have to miss to the sideline with the football. Even if you're going to be short or late, it's got to be missed outside. He didn't do that. Um, I think that it comes with the territory, though, guys. And Shock and I both played the position. You're going to have some days where you make some mistakes uh, in, in games. Unfortunately, it gets magnified when you're really struggling to win. Yeah, it's a great point, and, and we'll talk about another quarterback a little bit later where some of the mistakes are, are plaguing him and where he ends up being a discussion of our podcast in, in a very similar situation. So, DJ, let me, let me switch gears to you because now that we know Atlanta is eliminated from the playoffs, let's just talk about what's next. I mean, they're, the, they're, the playoffs is off the, off the table. What is one thing, DJ, that you're looking for that you want to see out of this team? Maybe it's <coughs> personnel. 
it's coaching. Maybe it's a it's something more thirty thousand foot view. What's one thing that you're looking to see out of this team in the last three weeks? As this season has progressed, we've seen some guys grow. We've seen some guys play at a higher level. We've seen some of the young guys become a bigger part of this team. And for me, and you're you know you, you got three games left. Uh, I want to see these rookies continue to grow. I want to see these rookies continue to play at a high level. Arch just mentioned A.J. Terrell and what he has mentioned. I think what he has meant to this defense has been uh, pretty spectacular. He's kind of been the guy on the back end that every week you line him up against the best receiver, and he's kind of held his own. I want to see these guys continue to be the guys that you went out and drafted. You're talking about A.J. Terrell, uh, Michael Walker, who we've seen the last couple of weeks step in and play a big uh, part on that in the linebacker core. Uh, Jalen Hawkins, you've seen him in and out of the lineup at times. I know Marlon Davidson went down with an injury. But I want to see some of these rookies continue to show why they should have been on this ball club and then continue to see why they're of value because they're going to be instances towards the end of this year where they're going to be needed, where this organization is going to need to see are these the guys that we can pin on going into year two. And uh, A.J. Terrell, I think, is absolutely a guy that we've seen a lot of and know what is expected. So I just want to see these rookies come out and finish the season the right way and not regress because there's – a lot of time where, hey, it's a longer season than they're used to in college. Will they finish this season out the right way and go into year two feeling positive about some things they've done in year one? I definitely think there's going to be a lot of upside for A.J. Terrell. You mentioned the fact that he's had to cover all of the best receivers that he's faced all year long. And when the record says four and nine, you don't really look at it and say, oh, man, it's been a great season. But not only has he done a really good job as a cover corner, but he's also shown the ability to come up and make some very timely sticks in the running game, too. And especially when guys catch the ball on the flat, he is not afraid to put his head down and get somebody down to the turf. Arch, what is it going to be for you? Is it something for – is it rookies? Is it something big? What do you think? What are you looking for in these last three weeks? Well, certainly if you're a veteran player, you have to finish on some kind of high note. I mean, Matt Ryan, we just talked about, had a poor outing in L.A. against the Chargers. I'd like to see him finish on, on a ride here in the second in these last three football games to where you feel real good about that. You feel good if you're making a decision. And we heard Rich McKay and, and Arthur Blank talk about how the coach and the GM are going to make decisions across the board on personnel. Nobody's exempt from that. So quarterback's going to come into conversation. Uh, Contracts are going to come into conversation. So you'd like to see your quarterback playing at his highest level so they can get the proper evaluation. Let's not – there's some conversation that maybe there's some diminishing skills here or there happening with some players. I'd like to see that dispelled by guys going out and finish the year the way they're supposed to. Also would like to follow along with what DJ's talking about. I'd like to see it happen on the offensive side of the football. I want to see Matt Hennessy in the game. I want him in the game. We, you know, he's a guy that's supposed to be one of your guys on your offensive line. You drafted him in the third round. You need to plug him in and let him play. I also want to see Quadri Olison on the field. We start talking about, you know, what Todd Gurley is or isn't. He's struggled, guys, in the last three or four games of the season. In fact, he's been responsible – as a teammate, not saying him solely, but as a teammate, he's been responsible for a couple of bad moments on this team. You lose the Lion game because he scores. You have the run this uh, the last weekend, two weekends ago against the Saints where he makes a mistake on how to run the football. And then I described the play uh, in L.A. where he makes the mistake on the bootleg play that costs you a huge penalty and probably points on the board that might lead to a victory. Didn't all fall on Gurley's shoulders now, certainly any of those losses, but he's contributed to it. So why not give Quadre Olison, a guy that's been sitting there who was pretty good a year ago in short yardage and goal line, 
How about giving him a chance to run the football? I watched him play in college. He's an inside-the-tackles runner that makes people miss and can blow you up when you try to come up and hit 230 pounds coming downhill. like to see him get some opportunity. So those are things, much like what Shock was talking about, let's see some of these young players get a chance to play and prove that they're National Football League players and they're going to be a core of what you've got moving forward. Guys, the, the interesting part is the, the thing that I've got my eyes on for these last few weeks is a combination of what you guys have talked about. DJ, you mentioned the rookies. Arch, you talked about some veterans and some rookies as well, but you guys are both talking about personnel. I'm looking at the general manager. I want to know what this general manager search and what this candidate is going to look like because this is the person that's arguably going to have the most influence on where this organization goes from this point out. Because number one, he's going to be the guy that's, that's integral in hiring the next head coach because that person is going to inject some new life, some new blood into this organization. But yet the general manager is also the guy that's going to be very important to bringing in the personnel that they feel like is going to take this organization to the next level. So not necessarily an actual person or, excuse me, player, but I'm looking at what is that general manager person going to look like? Because there's a lot of talk out there right now. And then who is that general manager going to hire as the head coach to take this organization to the next level? We all would agree that there's some talented players on this roster, but for whatever reason, DJ and Arch, it's just not trending in the right direction. So can this general manager and this new head coach get this organization going in the right trajectory, what Arthur Blank has wanted and what he has promised to the fans of Atlanta? And I think it's going to start with that general manager. So that's what I'm the most interested in seeing over the next few weeks, assuming that it does happen in the next few weeks. So hmm. speaking of the next few weeks, let's have a little fun with this, guys. Um, because we talked about the next few weeks. So if you're a fan, and I'm going to start with you, Arch, if you're a fan here, all right, over the next three weeks, are you more interested in seeing how the players go out and, and can they find a way to win games? Or are you more interested in the draft pick, a potentially higher draft pick, which would mean probably losing games? Which one you got? Well, it's easy. The fan is going to want – the fan wants the draft pick. Uh, the thing I would caution the fan on is what is it you're picking? You know, what do you think you're – there is no Chase Young in this draft. There is no uh, – from what I can tell in, in my evaluation of the draft so far, and I've got about two weeks in or about ten days into it, there is no Jeff Akuda at corner standing there waiting to come out in the draft. So who is it you're looking for? Do you think you're going to draft a quarterback? I mean, I, I just – that to me makes it tough because I can't – it's hard for me to take off the analyst hat or the Falcon hat and put myself in fandom because there's some realistic – situations here there is no in my opinion clear-cut number one if it's not a quarterback so are you looking for an offensive lineman yeah they're there there's a couple there are you looking for a linebacker there's a couple there but none of them are dominant hands down this is the guy football players so I'd almost like to see you know as I kind of drift out of my fandom and slide back into this hat I got on <laughs> I'd like to see my team play better down the stretch that I know that I've got 35 guys, 40 guys that I can go to battle with next year. They're going to help me win a division. And I'm going to, have, I'm going to be able to prove that against two, three, two teams with three games of teams that are battling their rear ends off to make the playoffs, be the number one seed, wherever it's going to be for Tampa, the wild card somewhere. How can they improve their seeding? 
you're going to have teams fighting for the finish. This is not going to be teams coasting down the stretch. You're going to have three, two teams in three games that are going to play as hard as they possibly can. You're going to get a pretty good gauge of where you're at with some of these guys. DJ, the interesting thing here is, and I don't know, you guys, you guys talk to a lot of people, whether it's, you know, via text, on the phone, and passing, whatever. But everybody wants, as soon as you go to a struggle, they want to say, oh, well, let's just, we need to pick. Let's just go get the quarterback. Dave, because you talked about it. Well, every, the quarterback is the one that people look at, right? And Atlanta's got a pretty darn good quarterback. But that's what the fans talk about, right? The fans mm -hmm. always want a better pick, and they always want a better pick because the quarterback coming out is always going to be the savior. So, DJ, where do you stand on this one? Is it better for the pick, or is it better okay. for the wins? I, I, I completely understand where the fan is coming from because when you think about having a top 10 pick, you think about having a player that can absolutely change your organization. But in the same instance – we're talking about one player. And that one player is hard to say you're going to be able to change everything that's going on with the team right now. And for me, I look at it as in you win these next three ball games versus two Tampa Bay teams. You win versus the Chiefs. And like Arch just mentioned, these are two teams that are fighting their rear ends off to get into the playoffs and have a pretty good roster themselves. That tells you if you go out and win these ball games. Guess what? There are parts on this team that are really good. So if you can add to what you already have, guess what? The future is going to be brighter. But if you think about losing those ball games, then that's telling you, well, we have a bunch of pieces that we need. Yes. Not just one guy who could come in here and be a top 10 pick. You're going to need multiple guys. So you go out and get a top 10 pick, and guess what? Oh, yeah, he might be great. But who are you going to pair him with? You have a quarterback and you draft a quarterback, guess what? Look around the league right now of these quarterbacks that came out in the top five, top ten in the NFL. The teams are struggling because it takes time. You got to put the guys around them. But if you go out and win ball games, that tells the organization, I have pieces in part in place that can help us win ball games and not have to build for the next four or five years down the road and then say, okay, we got the quarterback three, four years ago. Now we're ready to go. So there is a collective thing that I think if you go out and win games, it goes hand in hand with what you can get in the draft. DJ, I'm the disgruntled fan. I just, I want a better pick. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I, I, I chuckle about it guys, because I understand, I understand where the fans sit on this one, but you, the, what they don't understand is well, the are, actual well, right. reality. What of is that team. pick? What is that pick? What's the what, pick what that would do it for you as a fan? I mean, yeah, yeah. What is it a quarterback? Is it a running back? If it's you were that Listen, fan, what DJ, makes you most? Everybody you wants Trevor Lawrence. He is the <laughs> savior right now. Okay, he is the next blessed son. Okay, so if any team out there had a chance to get sixteen from Clemson, they're taking him right now. Am I, I wrong? Am I wrong uh, from a fan? Uh, I guess if you're the Falcons, then you might as well just uh, get rid of the entire uh, back part of your, your roster because guess what? You're going to need that to go to number one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, to, to, yeah to, get, to get Lawrence from the Jets, let's just – Mr. Blank is going to have to somehow load Mercedes-Benz Stadium up on a truck and take it to New York. That's about as close as you're going to get to number one. Now, there is a real possibility now. You want to start debating this, and we've got some time to start talking draft, and we'll talk draft throughout the offseason as we come back on Falcons Audible here. But, uh, you know, Justin Fields is going to be in play. If you lose the last three games, 
there's going to be a chance you're going to be at three or four or five if you're five right now. Yeah, who's looking for quarterbacks, by the way, guys? If you look at the top th- top five picks right now, Atlanta's sitting in the number five spot. I'm looking at it right now after this last weekend. The Jets are one, Jacksonville two, the Bengals are three. They're not looking for a cube, right? Yeah. Uh, the Chargers are four. I don't know how the Chargers can be four. They just beat us, but uh, the Chargers are at four. Um, and they're not looking for a cube. And then there you are, Atlanta, sitting at five. You jumped up from seven to five now in the draft. So Justin Fields is in play. I mean, I would imagine Jacksonville doesn't want to pass that up. But, again, if you load up the Brinks truck, you send them a couple players or something like that, which is what is is probably in the offing here. Uh, We're probably getting way off base here. I'm probably getting way too deep with this. And we're going to – like I said, we're going to have some shows – uh, rack, I'm sure, and shocked that we're going to talk this through. But right now, you're probably in the ballpark if you wanted to try to get one of them. You know, Arch, so, I, I mean, but I, I think where we're at is a prime spot because we're talking from a fan's point of view. And if a fan is looking for a top five player, you're going to wonder what position that is. And you mentioned it. Which player is the most important? And that's why I, I presented that to Rack is, hey, yeah, if you want that player, who is that guy? And absolutely, probably you're looking at most fans are saying, hey, the most intriguing is a QB. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, just like you guys said, we'll probably have plenty of time to discuss the uh, the options uh, for Atlanta at the draft, and that'll become a lot more clear after these last three weeks of the season. And we'll be able to dive into that a whole lot more because there's also a discussion about whether or not the Jets are going to stick with the quarterback that they have or move on again we'll get into that down the road all right so let's speaking of quarterbacks let's take a step away from the Atlanta Falcons organization and let's talk about a quarterback in Philadelphia because this last weekend the Eagles faced off against the Saints and they ended up the Eagles knocked off the Saints with a backup quarterback and just like that on the snap of a finger DJ there became this discussion is Jalen Hurts now the guy Carson Wentz has done some great things in an Eagles uniform, helped bring them to a Super Bowl victory just a couple of years ago. But the backup, the backup is always the most intriguing guy on an NFL, a college, a high school roster is the backup quarterback, the savior. DJ, if you had to take a pick right now, are you going with the backup Jalen Hurts? Are you Sticking with Carson Wentz. Right. This is a great question because I am uh, number one in the books to answer this question because I was a backup in college. I was a backup in the <laughs> NFL. And I was always the most popular because people said, hey, <laughs> this guy, put him in the game. The you're, still the most, you're still the most popular, Shaq. What are you talking <laughs> so, about? <laughs> so I know what it feels like to be uh, a popular backup. And right now, I say it's Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, I thought, gave his team the best opportunity to win. And then when you're your coach, your head coach comes out in the press conference and says, well, I'm not sure what it is, but it seems like the play calls are a little bit better when Carson's not in the game. That's an issue. When your quarterback, yeah. your starting quarterback, leads the, inter- leads the uh, National Football League in interception with 15, that's a problem. And his team does just not click when he's in the ball game. You saw a lot of different nuances from this offense. Carson Wentz can move, yes. But Jalen Hurts brought a different dimension with some of the things that he could do in the run game. He created, he took care of the football, made quick decisions. The ball was out of his hands. This is, I think, something that gave them a spark. And they had even uh, a player mention it was great to have him in the ball game because it gave them a spark. This is from somebody else on the ball club. So when your own teammates can see it and recognize it, 
it only bodes well for the guy that's in there. Now, that's one game. That's one sample size. But for that one game versus a defense who we know really well in the New Orleans Saints that are really good, he played pretty solid. And I think, obviously, coming in this week, he's going to be starting in his second ball game. So I'm going to ride with Hurts for the rest of the year. It's going to cause some issues if he continues to play well because of that big boy contract that Wentz got. <laughs> but uh, guess what? It's a problem they got to deal with. And if they're yeah. winning games and they get into the, uh, the, the East playoff picture, guess what? It's going to be a lot of talk about where Wentz will be next year. All right, so Arch, DJ talked about the contract for one Carson Wentz, but I'll throw the same question out to you. Are you going Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz? Yeah, I'm going to go Jalen Hurts, Rack. I think that uh, Shock is correct. The young quarterback deserves the opportunity. He's been sitting there waiting. He ran for over 100 yards, kick-started a run game that ran for 246 against the number two rushing defense in the league. We know what the Saints are all about, right? Uh, this is a team that's run the ball pretty well already in the Philadelphia Eagles, but no sacks. Okay, Carson Wentz was sacked 50 times in the previous 13 games. Good no googly sacks. Googly. That's a big part of what's going on with Jalen Hurts, too. And, hey, the guys are having fun playing around him. So, hey, let the guys have some fun the last three weeks and then evaluate in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, his, his athleticism definitely showed his ability to extend plays, keep things going. And he actually played like he was a very comfortable NFL quarterback, not a guy just getting in there for some of his, basically his early action throughout the entire season. So we'll end up seeing how that ends up uh, playing out in uh, Philadelphia. But I think that there's a, um, there's a, some dollar signs in a Carson mm. Wentz contract that are going to make that a little bit more difficult than what Ooh. most people think. Maybe. All right. So let's, let's, let's have a little bit of fun here, guys, because last weekend in the Falcons game against the Chargers, Russell Gage pulled off a phenomenal pass in that game. And I was watching it and, and you know how you kind of watch games sometimes and you're just sitting there and all of a sudden you see a play and you're like, Whoa, that was pretty sweet. That was what happened when I saw Russell Gage. So we're not going to talk so much about that play, but I want to throw it up to you guys, DJ. I want you to give me an example of one of the better or best non-quarterback passes or throws that you've seen in your career. This is awesome beyond awesome. And I know you guys remember this, um, but this happened back in 2016. We know this guy really well, Don Terry Poe. Yes. The Kansas City Chiefs. Two-yard line, drops it in there for a touchdown. And not only was it great, there were a couple of things here. In that moment, it wasn't just something that they did just to make it look like it was good. It helped eliminate their rival in the, in the playoffs, uh, the Broncos. And then it was the heaviest man to throw a pass. He previously had the heaviest guy to run a touchdown, but now he has the heaviest guy to throw a pass in the National Football League, outdoing Refrigerator Perry for – uh, nice. The heaviest man to run. So uh, one guy who was in the running for that was Jamarcus Russell. Uh, I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> uh, but Dante Pope, Dante Pope, uh, it was an awesome throw. He actually goes up like he's going to run it, does, does a little jump, Tebow throw a little bit, oh. gets it in there, and it was pretty cool. So Dante Pope, 300-plus. That was awesome. That was the one that I saw, too. And I don't know why it's always you want to go and you want to look at the fun ones, right? Like, yeah, why, are, yeah. why are the big guys always make it look funny, right? Man TVs, but that was the baby. first one that I remembered, <laughs> and I would have gone with Don Terry Poe as well. Arch, <laughs> please tell me you got something different with Poe or either that or Great Minds Think Alike, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do the Tommy Boy fat guy in a little you. <laughs> <laughs> and he's out! <laughs> <laughs> he's out! <laughs> 
All right, DJ, I know that our man Arch had a couple of awesome examples as well, but, you know, just how things end up working out in 2020, he's having some major <laughs> connectivity issues, so no I guess we'll just have to wait to see that uh, on the next episode. Maybe we'll try to bring it back and see we if We got to bring can... it back. Yeah, we got to bring yeah, it back. Yeah, we got to bring it back because it probably would have been one of the best parts of the show. So, uh, but we still leave you with that Dontari Poe because that was a fantastic... Is that the one you had too, right? That's the one I had. I mean, yes. you just can't... You can't yes. get away from a 350, 360-pounder no throwing a jump pass <laughs> when the entire defense thinks that he's going to run the football and his guy is wide open in the back of the end zone. Oh, that was just so, just so phenomenal. Good. So good. All right, DJ that's going to close us out for this week. Uh, the Falcons Audible once again presented by AT&T. Glad to join you, and I'm glad to join Arch, too, when his internet <laughs> is behaving with us. But, hey, that's, that's just some of the things that we have to deal with here in 2020 as we do things virtually. So... Uh, Falcons will be back on track this week. They're going to have their home finale against Tampa. Uh, Tom Brady and company will be coming to town. Uh, they'll play the Bucks two out of the next three weeks to close out the season. We'll be back to talk about that game and a little bit more what's happening around the NFL next week on the Falcons Audible presented by AT&T. DJ, have a great week, my man. Holla, you too, bro. We'll see you guys. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Falcons Audible, presented by AT&T.